This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Bailock. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week we're donning our trench coats and fedoras once more and going on yet another one last heist. As we watch Spine 218 in the Criterion Collection, Jean-Pierre Melville's Le Sacre Rouge from 1970. But first, RJ, Hmm? you're looking a little rough over there. What do you mean? You're looking worse for wear. I might have that COVID. I mean, you were traveling internationally, and I don't know if you were practicing proper social distancing uh, while you were at these concerts with the unwashed masses. Well, Jarrett, I'll have you know that all I've ever done is practice social distancing. I believe if people listen to this podcast, they'll have almost three years worth of me explaining of how I try to avoid humanity at every obstacle. But here you are, like dressing like fucking Hunter S. Thompson, like an asshole. (laughs) What do you mean like an asshole? That was fun. I got a lot of comment uh, compliments on that uh, outfit. I'm sure you did. Does it make it? Does it? Does it make it acceptable? Some people think. Some people think Donald Trump makes for a great president too. It wasn't the same people. I was in Bernie uh, country, my man, and they were down with it. Because you know what? Oh, I bet see. Bernie wears a bucket hat. Hundred percent. He's there, got like fish and tackle, or like bait and tackle clipped onto it. There's this pretty good uh, photo of him uh, in his living room, probably with his granddaughter or something like that. And there was uh, a, a was it a clothing chair. A what? Are you familiar? Oh, where you where you lay your clothes because they're not dirty, but they're not. You can't put them back with the clean clothes. Yeah, a clothing chair. And oh yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, absolutely. So he's got a clothing chair because he's because he's just like the working man. Yeah, and he's probably like you know it's not dirty yet, doesn't need to be washed. Why don't you go green and uh, you know reduce a little bit, reduce, reuse, and recycle. Or just keep, right, chair. You know, just make this chair not function anymore because those clothes got to go somewhere. I have one of those. Yeah. Who who doesn't have a clothes chair? I think we've all been there. Are you are you telling me that right at this moment you don't have something like an article it's, of clothing it's, it's dangling like off a, a chair? Clothing couch. Oh, that's the same thing. And that's there, semantics. And, well, actually, I have several, and by that, but no, this was like one where it's like completely ceased chairdom. For it, you? No, like well, for anyone. I mean, it's just like oh, literally like fine. there's like a hamper of clothes on that too. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. I, I do like that I said, still. That's that's real. That's real. Yeah. Well, he's the real man, and I think real men wear bucket hats. So, what do you think mm, about that, Jer? Fa- false. Uh, have you ever tried? Ah, have I? I might have, and uh, I'm ashamed. You know, I. Uh, I'm, but I'm uh, taking... that, and that was in an era when it was cool. But here now, Jared, RJ. are you? Are you RJ. judging my physical appearance yes. here in 2020? Yes, I am, RJ. Are you judging the way I like to dress in yeah. public? Yeah. Yeah. In 2020? Yeah. Yes. You're done. You're done, buddy. <laughs> I'm you canceled? got a lawsuit coming? Yeah, you're can- consider yourself canceled. Okay. I'll get the woke police right. after you. Oh boy, here we go. And uh the hat police and uh, they're going to they're going to be all over you, friend. Yeah. They they're going to be they, all they, over they, you. They, they, they can come. They can come. What, what happens when someone comes after you for uh, your snazzy dress or your haircut or your glasses? They'll have to. They'll have to bring it. What? What are, what are you gonna do? And you're gonna say, "I've been wearing this for years," and they'll say, "That's the problem." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they'll say, "Up your bucket game, my they'll, friend." They'll take me to those FEMA camps I've been hearing all about. 
The FEMA camps? Well, I mean, there's going to be camps, that's for sure. Which camps those are that you'll be going to, that's a different story. So how was your trip? I was good, man. Besides uh, getting the virus. The virus? I actually, I I do have quite a bit of a cough, but I think it's from smoking like, like a pack a day for like three days. So it's probably from that, right? <laughs> um, no, it was uh, it was good. Me and a friend of the show, Ryan Nagel, and uh, other friend uh, Taylor, we went to went down to Dirty Denver for the weekend, and uh, we had a good time, man. We uh, Ryan is also a germ dude, so me and him kind of came together to stay away from other people. Uh, lots of hand sanitizers, sprays, lots of Clorox wipes. Uh, he was like, he was hunting these things out. Like we'd enter a building, and he'd be like there's Clorox wipes and he'd, he'd be like, can I take some of those? We were very vigorously always washing our cell phones and our hands. And, uh, I hope it paid off. I mean, uh, right when we were in the Denver airport, we saw that there was a report that there's two more coronaviruses that people elsewhere that came from Denver airport. So we were like, uh Oh, but, uh, no, it was good. We went down there. We, uh, we did a lot of like like sorority girl basic bitch kind of stuff we were drinking natter days which is like a lemonade beer jared it's pretty good we were drinking these things called pink whitney's which uh ryan introduced to us that that's a canadian lemonade vodka uh we were drinking a lot of lemonade down there jared real tart on the gut lots of uh, <laughs> a mark- of, uh <laughs> acid reflux and uh, oh heartburn. yeah there was there was some traveler's diarrhea in there too but uh who hasn't had td once in a while am i right do you know what i mean hmm uh, so yeah, we went down, uh, we went to a pop show. Uh, I put that on our Instagram. There's actually a reason I did that instead of the other one was, a uh, pop is like a Canadian band. Uh, and it, it was just by chance that they were there. But after the show, I was buying a shirt and, uh, the lady took my credit card and, uh, our credit card, I have an RBC bank of Canada credit card. And she's like, Oh, are you Canadian? I was like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, what are you doing here? I was like, we came down for pop, man. We came down here just for the show, which, uh, you know. I mean it's kind of true a half truth. uh it's a half truth yeah and uh she like asked where we were from and all that and i said we we're just three three birda boys brave in colorado for uh for some good tunes man and uh she's like well she's like throw it up on the instagram i'll make sure uh like steve like the lead singer sees it and stuff and i was like okay cool so i put it on the creeps one just uh so that uh it would get maybe more traction because i believe there's more followers of that than of mine I could be wrong. I don't know. Anyways, I threw it on there for uh, for the masses. I thought people might want to see what was shaking down there, too. Had some interesting comments from friends of the show, like Oliver J- Granger, saying to uh, decolonize my friend group, mm-hmm. uh, which we all thought was really funny, but we were super confused as to what that meant. We were like, is it because we're all white males or is it something else? And uh, he, he explained it, but uh, I'll let you guys I'll let you guys think figure it out on your own. So we went to Shoujer, and then uh, one day we drove to Fort Collins, got a big city burrito. And yes, it lived up to the claims. Uh, the boys dug it. They thought it was pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, they Yeah, they liked it. I, I mean, it didn't change their life, but uh, I mean, it could have. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to find out one day. So the boys got the big city. We did a lot of eating down there. We went to Cane's uh, Chicken Fingers, like Raisin Cane's. We went to uh, Good Times Shake Shack, Jarrett. Have you ever heard of Shake Shack? I have. Uh, that was pretty good. I uh, went to a nice fancy restaurant. Ryan uh, got catfish. 
which uh, he threw into the mix between these burritos and uh, chicken fingers. He actually ate three burritos in 24 hours, Jer. Can you imagine? I could. That's living. That's living, my man. So, yeah, we went to uh, we went there and then explored downtown Denver the next two days. Oh, we were a witness to a, a domestic while we were there. Uh-huh. So we were staying in this Airbnb by, like, the uh, uh, the football stadium. And uh, it was, like, a nice enough place. But uh, we – I would only – the only word I could describe it as is, like, scuzzy. Like, it was slightly scuzzy. Because, like, when we walked in, there was a drawer in the bedroom, and it had two opened boxes of condoms. They were different condoms, and they weren't used, but they were – they had, like, one missing out of them. So I'm mm. assuming someone had used them, left the rest, right. and the the cleaning staff was like, might as well leave them. Just someone pay, else might need them one day. Paying it forward. Paying it forward. Yeah, exactly. So like, and then there was like mold in the bathroom, it looked like, on the ceiling. But, you know, for a boy's trip, it uh, yeah. it did the thing. How were the bed bugs? Uh, non-existent, but the COVID-19, that's coming in strong. What else was I going to say? Yeah, we explored Denver. Uh, oh, yeah, we heard a domestic. The, like at 4 a.m. one night, like the people beside us, because it was like a condo thing. They were It was just like some guy just screaming at a girl. And it lasted like, it went like 4 a.m. to like 6.30. And then the guy started puking for like an hour. And then uh, and then we never heard him again. So we can only assume that uh, he's dead. He's got to be dead, right? We never saw him again. One for, could hope. For like a day and a half. So I'm pretty sure he's dead. And then, uh, what do we do? Oh, yeah, we, we toured around, got some Mexican food, and then we went to a tiki bar, Jared, and that was, like, one of the highlights of the trip. Hmm. There was this really sassy bartender guy, and he was uh, he was laying into other people. He thought we were cool, because, uh, guess what, Jared? The bucket hat. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he thought we were cool, and uh, he made some really nice drinks. It was a good tiki bar. So overall, good trip. And, yes, I got a lot of compliments on my bucket hat. And, yes, a few people said I looked like Hunter S. Thompson. So uh, I'm going to keep doing it. Oh, God. And what do you think about that? When you want to go see Invisible Man, are you going to have your own bucket hat? (laughs) I wish I was invisible. You might be. or Well, you can't be in a bucket hat. No. But if you're beside the guy in a bucket hat, you're as good as invisible. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was a good trip. When are you going to go on a boy-style trip with your boys? <sighs> yeah, probably never. Why not? No one's got any money. It's never stopped at me. <laughs> That's right. I mean, you're living on credit and good looks, right? Uh, Well, credit for sure. No. Bucket, for sure. Bu- bucket hat cachet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That thing's going to come out huge. You see. I'm going to go to a job interview with that thing, and they'll be like... They're like, we were going to offer you this job, but now that you're here, we think you should have our job. They're like, you should be in our seats. And I'll say, I know. Get gone. <laughs> so uh, it was good. Good trip. Do you have any lingering questions about uh, airports and uh, people of, oh, I met an immunologist down there, like a real life doctor. Mm-hmm. And she told, because uh, she found out we were from Canada. She's like, are you guys nervous about uh, coronavirus? And uh, I was like, nah. I was like, well, I was like, I don't think it's. I was like, we're pretty clean. I was like, and it, and if we get it, we're all like thirty year old, mildly healthy. Well, th- those two guys are healthy. I, I, uh, I dabble a little bit too much, but, um, 
was like, we'll probably get over it. And uh, she and her wife are uh, just got married and they're going to Japan in a week, but the wife doesn't want to go. And she's like, I'm an immunologist and I think it's all baloney. And I was like, whoa. Hmm. All right. So we're going to take her word for it. It's all baloney, huh? Well, she uh, she made some claims about uh, political agendas and oh. uh, things of it not being. She seemed like on the level. That's how it always starts. Yeah. That was before. Uh, then ha- hashtag false flags. False flags, yeah. Nah, she seemed she seemed I. And then she'll be talking about FEMA camps. Maybe, maybe she will. We'll never know. We'll never see her again. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, how's your traveler's diarrhea? Great. It's all. It's in check. It's it's good. So every, staying every, home this weekend, yeah. you didn't get anything. No. No. Uh, did you know diarrhea is the number nine most common cause of death in the world? I remember reading that. Mm-hmm. I remember reading, I think number two is falling. Uh, it could be. Yeah, something like that. Don't fall or drown. Yeah, falling and drowning in cars. But no one talks about how cars kill people all the time. It's all the time. What's your car killing? Uh, fortunately, still sitting at zero. But, you know, wait till mm-hmm. that death race world that we're heading toward. Do you remember when that guy spray painted a dick on the driver's side of your car? That I, was hilarious. I do remember that. I don't know if it was on, as on, funny for you. It was my September 11th. That one was your September 11th? That's right. Because that's mm. when it happened, on September 11th. Was it seriously? Yeah. Wow. Of whatever year that was now, but yes. Big. Big. It was like four or five years ago. Yeah. And it's like I said, it might not have been that funny for you, but me having some distance from it i thought it was hilarious because mm-hmm. your car is white and it was spray yeah. painted in red yeah so it really popped yeah oh it really what? popped but uh luckily the uh the whatever it was the my insurance company said yeah you should go over to this mechanic and they'll take it right off and they just did it in like five minutes and it was gone they buffed it right out hey not even i think they said some like super wacky cleaner that isn't available to mm. us rubes hmm do you think it's like uh I think it was like, because it was like if it had been left like over like for another day, it probably wouldn't have been able to uh, work out. But so because you were diligent and prompt, you got it. Well, you know, I, I don't know how much I was a fan of driving around with a dick on my car. For, <laughs> Why not, Jared? Uh, at all, so you know, got through that one. I I don't know what you mean. I don't see what the issue is. No. You want to hear about some emails? Females? Nope. Okay. Yes, I could listen to an email, so, I suppose. Speaking of Oliver Granger, <gasps> he has an email here entitled Director Cuts, but he doesn't mm. say cuts. He says another C word. And uh, I, I'm not going to say it, Oliver. With the N? Th- with the N. I'll do it. I'll say it. Whatever. I said it. If you didn't hear it, Jared edited it out. I, uh, I'll drop them all day. I disagree with your take on director's cuts. I always watch the theatrical first. Then if I like the movie next time I watch it, I can watch the director's cut. Mm-hmm. Are there any director's cuts you think are worse than the theatrical? I still haven't seen the final cut of Apocalypse Now, so mine would be Donnie Darko. Uh, I think it's good that he brought up Apocalypse Now because I don't even know what fucking version of that I watched. There's so many. Uh, you probably watch the... The first director's cut would be my guess. The first, I don't fucking know, yeah. dude. There's so many well, versions of that. Yeah, I, I've lost track. I haven't watched Final Cut either. 
I've definitely seen like I, I, I don't know. I'm not even sure what the differences are. They they throw a bunch of more scenes into shit and make it longer mm-hmm. and longer. I'm I'm good with uh, I whatever. The next time I watch it, I'll pick one. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but for worst director cuts, well, I got I got some suggestions. Oh yeah. Um, I would suggest say the original Star Wars trilogy. Mm, okay. Just just go with the theatrical. None of the mm-hmm. special edition. None of this like what is it? What's the thing that Greedo says now? Uh I'm going to kill you. I'm a bad guy. <laughs> There's like a word. It's like it's like a name he says now. Dulu. Something like oh, that. Oh, like oh there it is. Uh McClunky. McClunky. Yeah, he says McClunky. And uh that's it's just like one more dig. It's just like one more little like fuck you. So fuck fucking stupid. I think stupid. that's funny. Uh my another pick would be The Warriors, the Walter Hill movie. Oh, the yeah. director's cut of that is just unmitigated garbage. Is it? So How come? well, because apparently Walter Hill always wanted to include at the original film these like bad comic book like cut scenes, like these weird like transitions. And they're so bad. It came out in the 2000s on the DVD, the Ultimate Edition. Mm. And fuck, it's so bad. And that's the only version available in HD now. You can't watch it without it. Oh, I see what you mean. Uh, just embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second choice would be Payback, a.k.a. Straight ah. Up, or the Straight Up Cut, the the Brian Helgland uh, version. You're not a fan of the Straight Up Cut? No, that I I don't like it at all. I'm uh give me make me make mine Mel Gibson's uh, producer cut. Well, I mean any any cut done by Mel Gibson is a preferred cut, I believe. Mm-hmm. Right, right, absolutely. Hmm. What other hot takes do you got over there? That, that, that's it for me for like just director cuts that just make me go. Ugh. Oh, when, when I was I, looking, when I was looking up stuff, uh, the one thing that I found bizarre was uh, Dawn of the Dead, the like longer, the longest version. A lot of people say it's like horrible, but that's my preferred version too. Uh, I prefer that also. Any of the Snyder cuts, I, I think, are the preferred oh, preferred versions. No, r- wrong. Dawn of the Dead. No, I'm talking about that Zack Snyder director's cut of Dawn of the Dead. I, as I know actually, you were too. I know no, you're a big fan. A, and actually, I uh, I saw that movie. I saw that Dawn of the Dead remake in the theater, and I thought it was fun. Then as re- did I. Rewatching it uh, at home with the director's cut, horrible. I it's just horrible. Like lots of c- close-ups to shots of someone like inhaling their cigarette and the burn on it. Just like, hmm. why do we need this? Why do we we need this like try-hard cool stuff tossed in? It's painful. Maybe maybe they weren't trying too hard. Maybe they were really cool all along. Nope. Oh. What else you got for me? How about that almost famous slash untitled? Slash untitled? Yeah. That's what it became uh, known as. Untitled. The bootleg cut. I don't know a lot about director's cuts, man. I think I just brought it up because I wanted to watch that Doctor Sleep director's mm-hmm. cut first. But it, it's like in my mind, it's like, well, I'd rather just watch the full thing now instead of having to put down two, three-hour sessions. Yeah, that's the one thing where uh, Oliver says, the next time I watch it, I'll watch a different cut. And I'm like, well, how often do any of us watch a movie mm. more than once a lot of the Me? time? Not much. No. And then there's also the, uh, what's better, the theatrical Lord of the Rings or the extended 
See, this is controversial, Jared, because I actually think that some of the theatricals are better than the. That, that's my answer. Mm, yeah, like for sure. Depends on like, which which movie. Yeah, for sure. Like I'd say Two Towers, the theatrical, hundred percent is better because there's there's a lot of scenes in Two Towers director that's like. I don't know. It's like Marion Pip, like drinking tree juice and then like getting put into trees. And it's like a 20 minute scene. And you're kind of just like, oh, man, get on with it. So, yeah, I actually don't mind those uh, director's cut or the uh, theatrical oh. cuts of the uh, loaders. And then there's obviously Blade Runner where the director's cut is the only way to go or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. the final cut. Don't watch that theatrical cut. Don't watch it. No. With the voiceover narration. All right. Yeah, that's not a good one. I'm just on Reddit right now where this conversation was being had, and I read Watchmen director's cut is fucking spectacular. Yeah. Oh yeah. Actually, that's a all this all the Snyder cuts are uh, I would say prestige format, my so, man. And this is the weird thing, right? So I mean, then there's a debate is like, are the extended cuts director's cuts, and then people just start arguing about that because are they? They do. Uh, no, I mean, are they? Uh, are extended directors? I guess not, but I don't know. Who cares? I, I'm it's, on a letterbox list. Who? Yeah, who cares? I'm on a letterbox <laughs> list of movies with director's cuts. What about Spawn? Is that is does such a thing exist? Mm. A director's cut of Spawn? Not that. Who, no, I don't care. Who even cares about that? You do. I thought Spawn was your favorite movie. <laughs> Uh, that would be your favorite movie that you said, Jared, you should really check this out. Give it a, I've been telling give it a shot. Everyone's always like, what's the guy who does that podcast with you like? I was like, his favorite movie Spawn, right. if that tells you anything. That's why I get those looks. Yeah. yeah. It does It does speak a lot about your character, but it's all true. No. It's all true. Next email, Rob <laughs> Eagle. Oh, baby. With an email entitled, Interesting If True. Whoa. So, Whoa. RJ spends months obsessing over Max von Sydow. Then RJ <laughs> takes a weekend away. Then on Sunday, mm-hmm. Max shows up dead. Just saying, Robbie. <clears throat> well, I'd like to address right now that this is a character for a podcast and uh, has no real relation to my real life at all. Any stories that you've heard are 100% fabricated and not real life. And you can't prove anything in a court of law. What do you think about that, Jer? Um, well, I mean, I didn't say anything. What do you think about that, Rob Eagle? You can't prove anything. So, yeah, Max von Sydow died. Yeah, and uh, I mean, is it because we just watched that Silence trilogy a month ago? Probably. Maybe. Do Probably. People, do people remember that? The uh, Silence trilogy? <laughs> anything we talk about? No, but it happened. And wingspans? Surely it happened. Yeah, no one ever gave me a read, and look look what happened. He's dead. Now no one will ever be able to find out for me. They killed him. Yeah, because they didn't want that information getting out into the world. They don't want people to know how long his wingspan is. Mm-hmm. I don't think the normal average Joe can handle that sort of thing. Do you? And finally, an email uh, from our friend Justin Peterson. Okay. With an email entitled, Not Sure About This Melville Guy. Hey, Jared and RJ, what's happening? Mm. A couple of follow-ups from last week's show that I wanted to chime in on. Number one, I was also underwhelmed by Repulsion. Here mm. is the lead for the review that I wrote for it. 
a strong visual depiction of a sexually frustrated woman falling into madness, but ultimately I was repulsed by how much of a slog it was. Mm. Mm-hmm. No- I agree. Yeah. Number two, the fact that <clears throat> Warner Brothers did not put the director's cut of Doctor Sleep on the 4K disc is bullshit. <laughs> oh, it's that, not? That, 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 no. It's not, it's not on the... Yeah, I told you. I remember? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah it's that, on the one it's Blu-ray. On, it's on the, it's, well, it's on the Blu-ray, but it's not on the 4K. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. And, and the, I read that bullshit is uh, David Lynchian. Total uh, fucking bullshit. Bullshit. I paid the extra money for the 4K Steelbook, and I will likely never watch that disc because of how much I enjoyed all the extra detail and the extra 30-minute director's cut. There you go. There's your answer. Sick. Mm-hmm. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on the Circle Rouge because I just saw Melville's so-called masterpiece, Army of Shadows, and I don't think his long, quiet, minimalistic, restrained style is for me. Huh. Well, we'll see, I guess. I guess. I mean, I mean, uh, Army of Shadows, I, I mean, I've seen it once, and I thought that movie was uh, pretty awesome. But I don't even know what that is. Exactly. So how's that? How's that for a cup of tea, Jer? I am now a member of the two-time listeners club for your episode on the marriage of Maria Braun. I just finished the movie last night, and I enjoyed hearing JD's excellent breakdown of the film during my walk into work this morning with fun commentary from good old RJ. What, did I say something fun on that one, Jer? You might have. Oh, well, marriage Bra- uh, Maria Braun? Yeah. Yeah, that movie's I. This weekend, I will get my first taste of a movie experience that I have never had before when I attend my first ever drive-in movie as a part of a scout camping trip. Do they still have drive-in movies in your area of the Great White North? Have you ever been to one? Well, Lethbridge used to have a Mm drive-in that I know was around when I was a kid, but I never got to go. Mm. And I know that last summer, the Street Wheelers people... Mm -hmm. They put together like a like an impromptu drive-in screening thing at the one uh, NMAX Center, I mm-hmm. think. But and they were doing Gone Gone in sixty seconds. I think both both the original and the remake. Mm-hmm. But I did not partake. But yeah, the drive-in scene. I don't know if it, how well it did here in Canada because it mm-hmm. would have to be closed so often. Um, yeah. But. It would have to be closed, and it would be cold, or you'd have your vehicle running, and then, like, you know, You've got carbon the... monoxide. <laughs> yes. Uh, especially, I when, to... especially when those pesky kids put a potato in your pipe. Oh. Then... <laughs> Beta house. <laughs> right? That's Di- what you would be and, doing. And just dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you die. And, you know, those bra bombs and nerdlinger. Anyways, uh, I went to a uh, drive-thru in Fort Collins a few times, actually. The uh, I don't remember all of them. One of them might have been a Mission Impossible or, like, something of the sort. But uh, I do remember I saw Monsters vs. Aliens. Everyone remembers that hit animated film, right, Jarrett? Mm-hmm. Featuring Seth Rogen as a blob. Do you remember? Do you remember? Justin doesn't mention what movie he's going to see with these these kids. Maybe he's going to go see Monsters vs. Aliens. Maybe. I mean, or if we're lucky, maybe it's something like, I don't know, Henry V? <laughs> that would be That'd amazing. That would be a good, be a good time at the amazing. drive-in. That fucking movie. <laughs> the kids is like, yeah, we watched Henry, the fu- Henry V. Woo! Woo! Shakespeare. Wow. <laughs> 
I really like the part where like it's a play. Oh, I bet kids would be into that. No, they kids wouldn't. No. Love Shakespeare, Jared. Oh, right. I, I mean, that's true. Kids love Kid, it. Yeah, they love kids the, love the bard. The bard, uh, but they only like it when you say Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Shakespeare, not Shakespeare. Recently, I saw that friend of the show, Frank, really enjoyed this trendy new movie, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I thought it was just okay, and it reminded me a lot of Call Me By Your Name. So I hope you guys will track this one down as soon as you can and give us the official creep opinion. Well, if it reminds you of a movie that I have uh, infamously been on record for loving for all sorts of things, uh, I'm sure I'll like it too. You can read my review of that where I detail exactly why I don't like it for actual reasons and not just superficial ones. Yeah, I mean... I've heard I've heard some pretty good things about this portrait of a lady on fire for the most part. When it comes to a streaming platform near me, I'll maybe check it out. Uh, yeah, if it's on stream, I'll check it out. It feels but, like I mean, it feels like some Netflix Crave type deal. Yeah, I my my money would be on Crave first, just because they seem like a prestige platform, Jarrett. But uh, I just saw. Uh, because I was checking on uh, that Cineplex, right? You know how I rent movies on Cineplex? Yeah, you do. Only guy in the world. But I have the gift card. I just saw that uh, that Guns Akimbo movie is on there. Is that movie even out yet? The what? The Guns have Akimbo? You... No, Guns Akimbo. It's that Daniel Radcliffe movie where he wakes up with like guns in his hand. I didn't think that was even out yet. I don't even know what this movie is. Guns Akimbo? Check it out. It sounds cool. But... Hmm. The big point, though, Jer, is maybe it's not supposed to be out, but it's available on Canadian Cineplex. Holy shit. So maybe I'll check it out this weekend. Goat movie question of the week. Uh Uh-huh. What are your favorite Dustin Hoffman movies? I know The Graduate is an all-time classic, but I think his performance in Wag the Dog is simply irresistible. That's all for now. Thanks for the time, and have a great show. Well, RJ, how do you feel about Dusty Hoffman? The Hoffman? I mean, it's hard to compete with Rain Man. I mean, other than maybe Kung Fu Panda. Oh, I have an answer. Hook. <laughs> there 100% you go. hook. Oh, uh-huh. man. What is that? Is that not what people were hoping for? Wow. I mean, you just cut right to it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look here. I'm going to go all the way to the bottom. I'm going to work my way to the top. Um, well, I mean, how about that Tootsie? F- future creep. Oh, I know about Tootsie, baby. Straw dogs, RJ? I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, it's not like we've watched it or anything. No. Sounds totally new to me, dude. Uh... Straight time is good. Shush. Shush. What? Straight time? Straight time. Straight time? Straight? Straight time. I don't know what that is. It's a great piece of 70s cinema, something that you don't like to get out of your way to watch. Mm. Some people like that little big man. I haven't seen Lenny. What about Meet the Fockers? I didn't know he was in The Cobbler. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Jared. I think he plays his dad. Oh, you know what? Oh, that would be perfect. Outbreak? I actually have that on DVD, and I've never watched it. Well, you ain't never seen Outbreak, man? I ain't never, I ain't never seen that Outbreak. Man, you know who's in that movie? Kevin Spacey. Oh. Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. 
Yeah. What do you uh, think of that? Yeah, and Wig the Dog I haven't seen forever. But I really enjoyed it. I, I like the ending. I like uh, what happens with Dustin Hoffman's character. It's very funny. I don't know if I've ever seen that movie. It, it, I don't know if it's your speed. You know what is my speed? Little Fockers. Little Fockers. Yeah. You know what movie is no one's speed? <laughs> I Heart Huckabees? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that movie that movie did not work for me. Uh, I, when Dick I, when Tracy? I was 14, I saw it and I liked it. Yeah, it's Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy. Yeah, why not? That all st- star-studded cast. Mm-hmm. Real mm-hmm. weird prosthetics. That Marathon Man. That What else we got here? Ooh, uh, Perfume, your favorite movie that you haven't seen? I've never seen I, I I thought it was a joke when I saw it as a little kid. Or like the trailer. I was like, this seems silly. But yeah, Midnight Cowboy. That's my pick. Midnight Cowboy? Yep. I mean, that's almost as good as Hook. Rat, Ratso? Pretty good. Well, I mean, technically, on Letterboxd, I mean, it's more popular. Not on mine. Oh, that's weird, because it should be. No, I mean, not on mine in, like, my head. What, Hook? Hook is more yeah. popular than Midnight Cowboy. Yep. Hook's, in my mind, Hook's the most popular yeah. of all the lists. You're, you're, you're right. Mm-hmm. But uh, where is it on ratings? Oh, look at that. It's not even. Oh, boy. Hook is way down there. Way down there. What, for me? No, on Letterboxd. No, Hook's people, awesome, dude. People are unforgiving to board old Hook. Why? Is it because of all those allusions to things that people think are there? Hmm. Yeah, and I have to, I, I, that's actually what we've got to rewatch one day is all the president's men. Oh, I thought you were going to say Hook. No, not Hook. When was the last time you watched that? Hook? Yeah. A very long time, RJ. Maybe it's worth a rewatch, man. Do you want do you want me to give it the heavyweights treatment? Mm, Hook's not as special to me as heavyweights was. Let's go go for it. You sh- you should rewatch it. Hey RJ, what you been creeping on this week? Uh not much. It's the end of the show. Jared, do you know about The Substitute? With Tom Berenger? Oh, yeah. Tom Berenger, Ernie Hudson, Louise Guzman. You ever heard of that one? I have. From the director of School Ties? <laughs> That's right. That's right, man. Uh, Tom Berenger is The Substitute. Is, After he, he, is, he, is he done taking crap? After he did some jobs for CIA, ex-Marine John Shale is visiting his high school love, Jane. She's now a teacher in Columbus High School in Miami. Soon after arriving, Jane has her kneecap broken while jogging. After that, John decides to go undercover as her substitute in high school. Very soon, he finds out the gang named Kings of Destruction are terrorizing the school. How's that sound, baby? Sounds ribald. Have you ever seen uh, The Substitute? I have not. Okay, so this thing was on Amazon Prime, and I had it in my watch list for a while. And uh, I was, um, it was like when I got home the other day, and I was like, I just want to put something real dumb on. And guess what? Met that quota and more, Jarrett. Uh, the Substitute. So Tom Berenger, he's got like a, cr- a crew of guys like, um, like Louise Guzman, and uh, there's another guy in there. I can't, like, remember his name. Is it Ellsworth Davis? No, it's not that guy. Richard Brooks. Doesn't really matter, Jared. There's another guy. There's a couple guys. And so they're, like, mercenaries. 
uh, and then it's like there's this weird thing where the news is like, oh, and the the people that mercenaries were in didn't like this. So then the government cuts ties with them and they're like, what are we going to do now? So then you cut to this lady who's a no no bullshit kind of girl. Jarrett. She teaches her students and she takes care of them. Uh, but the Kings of Destruction don't like that. And the 35-year-old students in her class really don't like that. So they set up, they want to kill her. So she's jogging and this huge uh, First Nations fellow uh, smashes her knee with a bat. And the only reason I bring that up is because it's a plot point later in the movie. Where uh, I'm going to try to find him while I'm talking. There's a guy in here. Oh, there he is. William Forsythe from Raising Arizona, The yeah. Rock, Halloween. He's uh, He does some uh, some some uh, stuff with uh, that First Nations gentleman. A lot of like sounds with his hand hitting his uh, mouth and and making fun of him Jarrett. Mm-hmm. he makes fun of him for what he is but he play he's in this movie he's kind of enough bar so anyways uh tom berenger he's like uh he's looking for work and he goes to one guy but the guy wants protection uh protection for like a drug deal and um when tom berenger is there another guy like shows his like video cassette like real and he's like piano wire it's like camouflage and the guy's like, that's good. Uh, and then he leaves. And then the guy who's like interviewing people, he's eating a bowl of like, um, like all brand or something. And he lets like a huge fart go. And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, you excrete a lot of waste through that. You got to eat lots of fiber. And I was like, what is this movie? And then he, he like he tries to hire Tom Berenger. But Tom Berenger's like, he's like, we're mercenaries. We're not like drug dealers. And the guy's like, what's the difference? And so Tom Berenger like grabs his throat and he's like, if we were drug dealers, you'd be dead. Uh, and then that guy shits his pants, Jarrett. Yep. He does a big dumper right in his pants with sound effects for the movie. <laughs> oh, it's like. Uh-huh. And uh, Tom Berenger is like, that cereal really does work. Oh. And you're like, whoa. So uh, anyways, um, after his girlfriend gets her knee busted in, he's like, I he gets his pals to make him fake like a background. It's like he attended Harvard and got a doctorate in teaching. And he's like, yeah, I did. So he goes to this rough and tough school full of, um, people from areas that, uh, probably are low socioeconomical standards. Uh, and it's highlighted very like many times, uh, this, what occurs next is he, he becomes, he actually likes teaching Jarrett. And he, he starts to do it. But he also, uh, the school's very racially charged, and there's a lot of stereotypes at play here. Oh, Ernie Hudson's the principal. Of course he is. And he walks around with a big, like, fraternity-style hazing paddle. Right. And he shows Tom Berenger. He's like, uh, he's like you got to set a president early. And he breaks the paddle in half with his fist. And you're like, whoa. Uh, so he gets there undercover, and do you can you guess what, Jarrett? The whole school's in on it. Wow. Even Ernie Hudson. Huh. So uh, later in the movie, at the end, the climax, you get uh, Tom Berenger fighting Ernie Hudson. Well, their stunt doubles fight each other, uh, and that's pretty cool. You also get like um, a teacher climbing one of those ropes in a gym class uh, as a like chase scene, and someone else climbs the rope because you know it's a school, Jared. So you had to have that rope in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> So anyways, uh, I'm glad I watched this substitute. Uh, I'm just reading reviews. <laughs> what did you find? Uh, well, first, like the one I laughed at, I was just like part of it was, 
one star for the scene where a character farts, and I think one of them was real. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, one star for the kid wearing a giant boy's dementia that says, I'll make love to you on the back. <laughs> nice. Uh, Nice. One star for that one person who brings their A game to a movie like this, and usually it's Ernie Hudson, who is still really great, but this time it's Diane Venora, who is charming as hell. Is that true? Uh, she was she was good, yeah, but uh, Ernie Hudson was good, too. I liked Ernie Hudson in this. Uh, so here's the thing, Jared. There are three more of this movie, uh, of yeah, substitutes. With, yeah, but they're not with Tom Berenger. No, they're with Treat Williams, apparently. And do you know what the fourth one's about? The substitute? Failure is not an option? No, what's that one about? Oh, he discovers a neo-Nazi group codenamed Werewolves formed, formed amongst this, in the, their cadets in a military academy. And he's so he's taken on some white supremacists. And wow. let me tell you, I own this on DVD, but I've never watched it. Why don't you watch these substitute movies with me? Well, because I have to, I'd have to watch one, two, and three. Well, you could watch. You have Amazon, Amazon Prime, right? I do. You could watch one easily right now. Yeah. And then after that, uh, two and three are on Tubi, which uh, is that free app that you can get on your Fire Stick. Yep. I checked it out. It's on there. You just have to watch ads every like fifteen minutes. Right. No big deal. Mm-hmm. It's like it was playing on TV, which I'm sure this movie only ever played on TV. <sighs> I don't know, man. I, you, know, you know what this week is, right? Substitute Teacher Week? No. That's what your, is it? That's your life, but yeah, it's Friday the 13th. Oh, well, we can put this on hold. I'll wait until you watch the first one. We Actually, got, you don't, don't even really need to. I just explained the movie to you. So we we got to watch those nightmares. Yeah, I know. I, uh, I also kind of like... Uh, there's like stuff I want to do too, but I don't know if I'll be able to do it. And like, you know... Yeah, I'll try to watch some nightmare movies well, this week. So, so how's Substitute? How is it? The Substitute? It's fine. It's not a good movie or no. anything like that. I mean, for uh, when, you, would when it, you get... Would it have been better if Charles Bronson was in it? Oh, everything would have been. Yeah. Like, was, um, but I'd say, like, for you and your uh, chucklehead buds that uh, watch movies sometimes on weekends, this would probably be a pick of your guys's because of its... It's thing, especially that scene where that guy shits his pants. Right. Yeah, that sounds pretty appealing, actually. Yeah. I mean, other than that, it's a little long. It's almost two hours. Oh! It's one fourteen. <laughs> so if they did shave 20 minutes off of it, it'd be a lot better. Oh, my God. But that's that's absurd. As it stands now, it's like, I, I can't advise anyone go out of their way to watch it. I'm in now, so I, I have to watch all of them. But uh fuck, does he have two movies starring Brian Dennehy at the director here? A season on the brink. That sure looks like I mean that looks like a Brian Dennehy looking man from two thousand two. That movie looks a hundred years old. And then there's Perfect Witness with Brian what Dennehy. Are you, what are you even talking about over I'm looking there? At Robert Mandel, the director of the oh, substitute. I see. I'm just like checking out the other things he's uh worked on. What about Robert Radler, the guy who made Substitute 3 and 4? And also some stuff with Eric Roberts apparently. Oh, of course he did. And a movie called Best Best. I don't know what that means. Best of the best? No, it just says Best Best. Yeah. Don't I mean... correct me. <laughs> I mean, if you can't read, it definitely says best, best. Yeah. there's t- and, and there's two of them. 
best, best. And there's a movie here, Donto Osekos of Sosipas, a.k.a. Showdown. Who? Jerry? Star- starring Billy Blanks. I know about Billy Blanks. Yeah, you do. And that uh, Ty Bo, right? Yep. Yeah, Ty Bo. Well, I mean, if other people are interested, because I know no one else has any suggestions for movies for me to watch, that's why I was watching The right. Substitute, yeah. you know? Yeah, you're pretty tapped out for options. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I, I ask and ask, and everyone's just like, well, well, maybe I'll just watch more William Forsyth movies. He's in Deuce Bigelow. What do you think of that? That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, I'm done talking about that. Uh, and then I watched a, a little short documentary on the YouTube, Jarrett. You Ooh. ever heard of Playboy, uh, Pepperoni Playboy? I have not. You ever heard of Mac DeMarco? I have. Yeah, so uh, I was unfamiliar with said person, and a uh, friend of the show, Ryan Nagel, introduced me to a uh, little Mac DeMarco and uh, his brand of music and really? uh, his music videos. Yeah, I, I don't know where I was. I just never came across it, I guess. Huh. But uh, his uh, quirky brand of music videos and uh, his funny demeanor and his nice vibing tunes, Jared. Well, have you, have you listened to that Ariel Pink uh, I'm working my way through everything now, so uh, yeah, I don't Ariel, know if some, I've got to some that. Some Ariel yeah. Pink, some Alex Cameron. Mm, no, not not those. Okay, but I'll get there. I'll get there. So, anyways, this is—I I don't have much to say. It's a—it's just like kind of video of—it's a half-hour-long video of them like touring uh, with his album Salad Days from uh, six years ago. Uh, it's cool. If you like him, you'll uh, you'll get something out of it because it's just kind of him being himself and doing his own thing you know mm. if you if you're unfamiliar with him you you probably wouldn't get anything out of it but you know i watched it it was loggable and letterboxed and i was like <laughs> nice because that's what it's all about right here next you'll be listening to some chad van galen chad van galen yeah chad kruger yeah freddy kruger freddy kruger no chad kruger Anyways, uh, that's what I watched this week, and uh, good shows all around. What about you, dear? Well, I've been watching some of those YouTube documentaries myself, RJ. Oh, were they from Canadian icons like Mac DeMarco? Nope. Oh. <laughs> no, quite the opposite. So first I'll get some real movies, real movies with big square quotes around them. Uh, I watched Universal Soldier, The Return. Oh, the yeah. The first official sequel to universal soldier which i talked about yeah. some weeks ago mm-hmm. this movie still stars jaw claude van damme it also uh has an appearance by one bill goldberg you know that the goldberg? Bill goldberg the bill goldberg hmm. and you know also hmm. this has michael what? j white star of my favorite huh. movie spawn <laughs> he he said it, you guys. Yeah. Someone get a sound bite of that and send it to me, please. <laughs> so, have have you seen this uh, Universal Soldier: The Return, RJ? Uh, I see you maybe. have not. I, I don't think you have. You haven't logged it, but you made me watch a couple of these movies. Well, so, so those are the good ones. Those are the like good directed video ones from like ten years later. No, okay. no, this one had a theatrical release, and Same. so this movie, RJ. Mm-hmm. Apparently cost like forty million dollars to make. Jeez, I have no idea where that money went. It's uh-huh. not. It's definitely not on the screen. This movie came out in nineteen ninety nine. Um, mm-hmm. Let's take a look. Do you know what other action movies came out in nineteen ninety nine? 
Uh, the Sixth Sense. Yeah, yeah. There, if you want to call that an action movie, then I guess a lot of things are action movies. But no, I mean the Matrix. The Matrix. You're right. Uh-huh. The, the Matrix came out the same year, and uh, you know, I, mm. I I would say that it kind of set a a new a new level of which like action movies should be aiming toward. And I believe I that that might have actually been why this was the last theatrical release of a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie because mm-hmm. that particular brand of action movie making just uh, didn't cut it anymore. Yeah. And it's pretty clear. Uh, um, the tagline of this film, RJ, mm-hmm. prepare to become obsolete. That's cool. Luke Devereaux, the heroic former Universal Soldier, is about to be thrown into action once again when Seth, the supercomputer-controlled ultra-warrior, decides to take revenge and destroy its creator. Only Luke can stop it. All hell breaks loose as Luke battles Seth and a deadly team of perfect soldiers in a struggle that pits man against machine and good mm. against evil. Uh, is that accurate, though? I guess. So the movie opens up with uh, old uh, Jean-Claude and uh, I'm trying to find the name of this uh, the, the woman that he's partnered with. They're running through the jungle. It's just like a bunch of stupid chase stuff right off the bat. And you're like, whoa, they're, what are they in the bayou? They're being chased by Bill Goldberg and a team of uh, unisols. And mm-hmm. uh, for some reason, at one point, she gets like tied up and Goldberg threatens to rape her. But then, like, seconds later, it's revealed that it was all part of a, a test run. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what mm. was this rape business about? I was, I was like, going to say, what were they testing with that? <clears throat> they wanted to make sure these soldiers could respond to orders from the supercomputer. But I'm not sure okay. about the rape part. I'm not sure how that plays into any of that. So, any, anywho, they never, that never comes up ever again. But, you know, uh-huh. it was just some flavor, I guess, for 1999. Uh, and yeah, so soon enough, uh, we find out that John Claude Van Damme's had a daughter, and um, she's friends with the supercomputer. The supercomputer's, uh, you know, AI has evolved to a point where he wants to take over. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. They seize control of the plant, and he's going to unlock some codes. Uh, Luke Devereaux, he makes, he cracks wise. He makes some jokes. He he makes mm-hmm. he does with some split kicks and. Blah blah blah. This movie's atrocious. It's so it's fucking bad. I um. It's so I'm glad. It's so boring. It's so, like yeah. Not, it's so yeah. It is. Uh, I'm so glad that movies like this probably do get made direct to video. But this actually had a theatrical release. Mm. And again, forty million bucks vanished into the air. Huh. What would you do with forty million? Oh. Uh, I guess buy every copy of Universal Soldier: The Return, and I guess delete it. Delete it from what? From life. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Uh, we followed. This was, of course, uh, Shitima Saturdays. So, oh yeah, we followed this up with wrapping up the Project Shadow Chaser films. There is a fourth mm. one, but it's not directed by the same director, John Aris. Uh, Project Shadow Chaser Three. 
uh, a synopsis here. It has been 25 years since the ore spaceship Siberia was last heard from. Mm. Unfortunately, it is now on a collision course with the communication station Comstat 5, which is orbiting Mars. After one successful maneuver to avoid the Siberia, it rams Comstat 5, and the crew soon finds that the Siberia crew is dead and the reason that it has been missing for 25 years. But that reason is trying to destroy them all as it destroyed the Siberia crew. So this movie is just a, you know, alien knockoff. It's an alien knockoff? Yeah. So like the previous two were not diehard movies. This one's not alien. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, they're trying. This is like actually considering its budget was probably like a million dollars. They do so much more than that Universal Soldier thing did. Um, so wait, are you saying that? Project Shadow Chaser is better than Universal Soldier? I am. Huh. Do you think other people would share that opinion? I I think they could. I think they could. I don't I mean I don't recommend either of these movies. Oh, okay. But That's I, a good thing to state. Yeah. But I would definitely say that uh at least there were they were trying with this like low budget little knockoff of scenes and other like from better movies they got the working mm. class heroes from alien they're all talking about getting paid and getting back home hanky panky they're all just you know blue collar space truckers and uh then they run afoul of a android killer machine that now has morphing powers so these movies all star i guess to a certain degree this is frank zagarino guy mm-hmm. but none of these project shadow chaser movies have anything to do with one another at all Absolutely nothing, except that they all have Frank Zagarino playing an android in them. There's no, there, there's no, there's no links. There's no continuity. Yeah. They're just like they just pick up and they're like, oh, this one's in space. Uh, this one's in a nuclear power plant. Uh, this one's in an office building or sorry, a hospital. And yeah. uh, I think four might involve aliens. RJ, I'm uh, I'm on board with this. I don't. It doesn't bother me at all that. Uh... That uh, these movies aren't connected at all. Sounds cool. I mean, cool seems to be overstating things a little bit. You don't think cool is the right word? I don't. <laughs> well, how would you describe it? Cool? Like K-E-W-L? Cool? Str- striking. Yeah, striking. The, the description for Project Shadow Chaser 4, directed by Mark Roper. After two archaeologists discover an ancient alien artifact in Africa, they must run for their lives from both the unstoppable guardian and protector that awakens as a result and their greedy, madman employer, both of whom want the artifact. Do you think they'll get it? I bet you they'll get away with it. Damn. So wait, is that aliens or no? I hope there is. I mean, we'll see what this uh, Unstoppable Guardian is all about. After uh, these, what Frank Zagarino movies are you going to watch next? Well, what are my options here? Well, he's in Waxwork, too. That's, like, probably the most likely movie I would watch. Yeah, you can watch that. Uh, Where the Boys Are. Ooh. What about Air Boss? Hammerhead. Nice. Love Lines. Definitely Hammerhead would be a possible Hammerhead? A, a detective's hunt for the man who murdered his friend takes him to the Caribbean, where he finds himself enmeshed in a web of corruption and murder. Enmeshed? Enmeshed. Is that a real word? It's a... It's, oh, it's, yeah, and it's a, it's a piece of uh, Italian trash from uh, oh. Enzo Castellari. 
What was that name again? Sorry. Enzo Castellari. Oh, nice. Director nice. of 1990, The Bronx Warriors. Escape from the Bronx. Huh. Warriors well, of the me- Wasteland. So you, you might give it a go then. Yeah. Is what you're telling me. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So those were the uh, pieces of crappy real movies I watched. But the, mm-hmm. the real money was mm-hmm. continuing continuing on watching the Chris Chan A Comprehensive History YouTube series. Mm-hmm. I'm up and? to part 13 okay. of 31. Are you happy with your life choices? Um, There's been definitely moments on this trek that have made me doubt what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I, that's when I just have to you know, resolve myself and be like, you know what? I got to do this. I'm, I'm going to be the one. I want to be one of those people that have watched this so I can log it with pride mm-hmm. on Letterboxd. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, whatever makes well, you I mean, happy, man. Before we started the episode, you were asking me, what are those screenshots you're sending me? Like, what's that from? Yeah. Can you describe those screenshots? Well, no, I, I, think, well, I think you can because I don't have access to those right now, but you can. All right. Let me pull this up here. So some of these have been <clears throat> some, some quotes from uh, this Chris Chan. Okay. Let's, uh, let's go to this uh, picture I have of you here. Okay. All right. Uh, where is it? Uh, we're getting to it, folks. Uh, Chris, well, pretty much my uh, erection has uh, been undid. It's one of them. Uh, Chris. I pretty much already proved my strength when I ripped that dildo in half. Uh, I have a subscription to Playboy. Uh, And then there's a picture of your friend's um, three and a half star of the Truman review rating of the Truman Show that I disagree with. Disagree. That's what you sent me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I disagreed with that. uh, And I hope they're listening. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's a little bit of Chris Chan for you, apparently. Well, that's like, that's light. I, I, I've i been sending the real hard stuff to others, so. Oh, that's the light stuff? Yeah. So did he actually rip that thing in half? Well, he didn't. He kind of just, like, disassembled it, disassembled it. He just broke it in half. No, but he didn't well, break it. He just kind of, like, pulled it apart. That doesn't seem fair, then, no. for him to take credit for it. No, so right now we're kind of stuck in 2009, with the Chris Chan stuff, which is kind of when he came onto my radar way back mm-hmm. when, ten like over ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been there was an entire episode essentially, like just full on cyberbullying for like an hour, essentially. Like you get to hear okay. like a, a whole like audio transcription of uh, him basically being forced to do horrifying things to himself mm-hmm. in the name of getting his PlayStation Network account back. Uh, because he thinks he's trying to save his girlfriend, who is actually not real at all, and is in fact the guy that's making him do these things. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's horrifying. And it's, you read the comments, and everyone's horrified. But then he keeps coming back for more, and he seems to really embrace this. Because at the end of the day, at this point, I've concluded he's the star of his own TV show in his head. Mm-hmm. And all these trolls are like the villains, but he's the good guy. And all these trolls are kind of like playing characters in this mm-hmm. like anime. And along the way, you know, you find out about how he uh, recycles his semen. What do you, uh, 
What do you um what do you mean by that? Well, see, apparently at some point Chris had heard about how one could re- recycle their semen so you don't lose it and it helps regrow your new semen. So after you spend you ingest okay, I'm it. Done. You ingest it, RJ. And I'm pretty uh, much done with this. <laughs> Why are you watching this? Because <laughs> it's a part of internet culture, RJ. And there's bits where he talks about anal beads. Uh, wait, what? What culture is this a part of? Whose culture? <laughs> it's our culture, RJ. We're a part of it. <clears throat> We're all a part of it right now, as content <sighs> creators. <laughs> My favorite fucking expression. Cause, cause, I ne- cause I've Chris, never said Chris, I was a content Chris, creator. Chris uh, is a content creator. He was on YouTube before all of us. He was on there posting videos of himself addressing the nation, threatening the trolls, um, giving them all what they wanted. They wanted those laws, and he just kept coming back for it. It's really difficult to know how much he comprehends of this. Yeah. He doesn't recognize people, which is, I guess, apparently a thing that can happen when you're autistic. It's it's fucking bizarre. There's, like, girls that have gone on dates with him who are, like, trolling him. And they have these, like, elaborate setups that they're recording. And he goes along with it. And then, like, two months later, he goes on a date with the same girl, but he doesn't even realize it's, like, a different person. Hmm. And it's, a it's date, you say? A, a date. real one? Well, it's a date in a food court of a mall. With his dad, Bob, present, the internet lumberjack. Huh. Yeah. You know, some people say that you're kind of the Chris Chan of the podcast world. Some say. I've heard people say that. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm I'm deep into this. I'm over a third of the way through. And, uh, you know, they're 40 minutes apiece. They're easy, easy listening, easy viewing. Hmm. I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it right. But as a... Weird, like, coincidence uh, on Facebook, one of these groups I'm on, someone posted about this guy who's kind of like another one of these pariahs of, like, internet dumb called Wings of Redemption. Uh, Coronavirus. Uh, That sounds vaguely familiar. So this guy, he's a a very large man, and he, he was, like, again, one of those early YouTube adopters who started putting his videos of himself playing video games, particularly Call of Duty on there. And okay. uh, so he he was getting paid to do this. Like, this is before Twitch and stuff like that, where people really start making, like, serious, serious money. He was yeah. he was doing it before that. Um, just being himself, being this yeah. big old southern boy, you know, shit, shit talking on you know, first person shooters. Sure. So anyway, one of the things though, is he starts rubbing people wrong. He has a big mouth. He, he talks himself up. He bans people. He does all the things that piss off people on the internet that have nothing else better to do, but to like dig up stuff on you and then Mm -hmm. use it against you. And then they find out, especially when you have like a really like bad temper, they're like, that we're going to do everything we can to make you snap because you're streaming it all and it's all going to be live and you're going to like break your controller in half. You're going to rage out, stand looking, like, stand against a wall for a while and then come back sobbing. Huh. Huh. <laughs> um, so I watched this like a seven minute video on YouTube of like one of these like big moments of like when they really got him good. And then I found out that 
Not only was there a 43-minute long documentary on him, but another guy has made a over two-hour long documentary on the same guy. So I I opted for the 43-minute one called Uh From Bold to Trolled. And what it, was that about, Cher? Uh Well, it's about this guy. It's about this one man, this Wings of Redemption fellow, uh, Jordy Jordan. And uh, it kind of tells his rise and his fall and sort of like more of a general just plateau because I think he's still around, but boy, oh, boy. I, I think the, uh, the, the longer version, which I haven't gotten to, uh, might have more details, but uh, this stuff... This stuff, but uh, on the other side, I did fall down uh, this the proverbial rabbit hole by watching this internet series on YouTube called "Down the Rabbit Hole," done by this guy named Frederick Nudsen, mm-hmm. which I I'm not sure if he's actually Swedish or just a Swedish name, but he's like this young guy making these internet documentaries on mm-hmm. the internet. He mm-hmm. uh, he did one on this guy called Darkside Phil, who's another one of these. Uh, early streamer adopters who just has alienated his entire fan base by just kind of being an asshole. Mm-hmm. And that one's like 30 minutes long. And then RJ, I saw that there was a documentary on furries that this guy did. Oh no. Oh, yeah. Furries. So I had, I, I watched this and, uh, sure I, you did. I did because, uh, you know what? Yeah. I know, I know about furries, but, do, do we really know about furries? Do we know the history? And this is what this is. It's not like a full, it's not like a documentary where there's like talking heads. It is like a guy who's just v- doing voiceover narration of information, like of scans and video that's like pre existing and just kind of narrating this story. It does a pretty good job of it, I'd say. This mm-hmm. uh, furries, I mean, we all love them, right? We all love furries. People who dress up in animal costumes and have their fursonas and yiffing and all that stuff. Uh, conferences, furry cons. Yeah, I don't really know a lot about this, Jerry, and I'm uh, pretty happy for, about that for uh, that very reason. Well, I mean, this is a great starting point, I guess, if uh, one wants to know more about furries without actually, uh, you know, going down that dark path. Well, I saw t- like a two-minute video uh, Ryan showed me of uh, that all gas, no brakes guy, uh, and that one was on furries, and I think I got the pretty the gist of it, oh, so no, I think I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. You should check out all gas, no brakes. I'll send you one later, okay? It's okay. this guy who like, he goes to like furry conventions and like NASCAR and like interviews people, and uh, he just lets them talk, and uh, they say completely wild, ridiculous things, and he edits it together. He doesn't like switch like what they say, but he just like he just lets them talk and they kind of out themselves, you know. I'll send you one. How's that sound, Jer? Okay. And uh, I again, I have to ask: Are you happy with the decisions you make in life? Very pleased. Okay. Good. Yeah. That's uh, all. That matters. The, the last one I watched. This one's a bit probably more up your alley, I guess. Okay. Uh, it's called, it's called, on this video game that has never actually come out called Star Citizen. Okay. Like so I mean I was not familiar with this at all. And so Star Citizen this this has nothing like sexual or uh you know streamer involved. It's okay. the, so the guy who cr- is creating this video game. He's the same mm-hmm. guy who did the Wing Commander video games. Okay, I know those. Yeah. So but he, I mean 
this guy wants to like really do it. He wants to create like a fully immersive science fiction world where you have a ship that you can like actually operate. It mm-hmm. it follows Newtonian physics. You can go to different planets. There's like a, an economy fully developed. Uh, you can like run around inside of the ships while someone else is piloting a ship, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like it's offering this stuff. And like whenever you see like the, the, the cut scenes and the videos of this, it looks cool. Like it looks really nice. Like it's not like some like, doesn't look shitty, but you kind of look at this and they start, they started this process in 2011. This documentary came out in 2016, criticizing how long it's taken for this game to materialize. It's raised at this at now it's at like 250 million dollars that it has like kickstarted over the years and like gotten from people to make this mm-hmm. game that still has never come out. Hmm. So like, how wait? How long did you say it's been? 2011. Jeez. So yeah, we're at nine years. It's still like it's still coming. Apparently, uh, mm. I mean, I don't know. So this documentary is 2016, and obviously people are like kind of doubting it. And uh, here we mm-hmm. are, four years uh, now, and uh, yeah, it's there's still no game. And apparently, it's like four games in one game. I think there's like, um, yeah, like uh, it could be four in one, but I think there's some some else to be said about like kickstarter games that never yeah. actually become made because i uh, i've heard a lot about that like i can't remember the, any specifics but yes yeah they, they kind of mentioned a few of them in there so like the one thing too was there was that one game that was like everyone was super stoked about no man's sky and then oh yeah and then it been yep. it was just a complete fiasco but so people are like well yep. Star Citizen, it's going to be the one that saves them all. Like, it's going to finally do this concept right of this, like, fully mm-hmm. immersive, like, galaxy that you can just explore. Yeah. But we're still waiting. Well, well, so people, well I mean, people who've given this guy, this company, like, $250 million to, uh, to make it. And he's got, like, a massive, like, I think they, at one point, at least in 2016, had like 150 people employed making this mm-hmm. game and making all these versions of the game. And they like had to start from scratch because they outsource some stuff and there's weird infighting, which mm-hmm. every industry is plagued by this stuff. But yeah, I, I found it fascinating because I had never heard of this game before. And I mean, I know, I know some gamers, I know some people who talk you about this stuff and, and they haven't talked about this ever. And it's like, huh, that's uh truly just out there. Yeah. But, but yeah, I like, I, I like this down the rabbit hole series. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, this one, even at like 30 minutes, felt slower than other ones. But I mean, it was informative. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I'm a sucker for this type of uh, easy content that's just available at the press of a button on YouTube. There's no there's no fees. It's not like, you know, say like certain uh, streaming websites that you pay for thinking you're going to be able to watch the movie you need to watch a particular week. And then when you actually go mm-hmm. to watch it, it's just not there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can talk about that later. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. So, uh, are you going to watch any like internet documentaries on weird sex people? Uh, I watched pepperoni playboy. Do you think that's the same thing? Mm, no, 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 I, nope. think you, I think you. I think you should be taking. I mean, I'll, I'll watch the substitute with you, but you should also watch mm. the Chris Chan documentary. I mean, they're about the same length. As, it, but I don't want to. 
I'll, I'll watch. I'll keep watching the substitutes, and you keep watching Chris Chan. How's that sound? I'll, I'll take that. I'll take okay. that one. I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, I can tell you about how uh, one of his like fake girlfriends tells him that he has to test whether or not whatever he drinks will make his semen taste that way. And then he just takes a cup of semen and adds Fanta orange juice to or orange pop to it and then drinks it for her. I don't really think that's how that works. Yeah, I don't think so either, but um, that's the world we live in where people apparently need to find out that way. It's like, uh, was it TikTok? (laughs) People do wacky things on TikTok too. Putting their balls into soy sauce. Is that what you do? I don't know. I was about to ask. Is that what you you uh, dudes were doing in Colorado? I mean, we did we did stuff for yeah. sure. Or not bu- not that kind of stuff. Wearing bucket hats. Well, the bucket hat stealing is stealing uh... Clorox sheets. Uh, no, <clears throat> we always asked. We always asked. Hundred percent sure. Hundred percent on the level. Well, you don't want to be caught for crimes in America. That's for sure. No, definitely not. We committed no crimes. No. You got, you got any uh, news? RJ? I just I just saw coming in hot. <clears throat> this is not a joke, Jarrett. Tom Hanks has coronavirus. What? Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson. He just tweeted himself through his verified account oh. that they're in Australia and uh, they have tested positive for coronavirus. Well, also I just see that Trump has suspended travel from Europe to U.S. <laughs> cool. That's what he always wanted, anyways, right? Um. Well, no. His dream would be like some Mexicans get coronavirus. Then he can finally like say, see, we need that wall. But maybe, yeah, I'm maybe. sure he, I'm sure, I'm sure he's like asks. That's the first thing he asks. Hey, is uh, there any, any cases there? And then but it's like not enough to justify. So he's like, fuck. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't know what to do. Hmm. Maybe no one knows what to do. Jared, they got Tom Hanks. Anything can happen. Yeah, I did see that. The right underneath, but but it's like I don't know. This thirty day restriction will not apply to the UK. Well, but people can go between Europe and the UK. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Right. I guess that's we'll be, they'll be looking at those passports. But man, mm-hmm. big big Tom. He's got he's got a cold. I guess he's got he's, the, got, he's, got, a, he's got the disease, the virus. Got a cold and body aches, man. Uh oh. Mm-hmm. Do you have a cold and body aches? Mm, not yet, but I've been mm-hmm. not near you. That's true. RJ's been hitting the mute button a lot tonight, folks. Can you tell when I, I hit it? Uh, well, just like, in case. Does, does in it ca- sound like anything? In, in case they can, I'm just letting them know. Oh, yeah, I've, I have I have a slight cough. Mm-hmm. I, I It's like I said, I suspect it's from cigarettes, but uh, I, uh, I mean, I hope I don't have coronavirus. Maybe I should go to the doctor, hey? Maybe you can, you know, pass it on to your your wife. She can contaminate the school. And then mm-hmm. we then the school can close down for like a couple weeks and I'll uh I've lots of time to watch Chris Chan documentaries. Maybe they should have closed down before. Maybe. Some schools closed before. They they're, they're closing still. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's Maybe they should just shut everything down. Maybe. But before they shut everything down, uh, I, I did read a, a hot rumor. Uh-oh. Supposedly, David Lynch is working on a limited series for Netflix. How limited? Who knows? Starring Naomi Watt and Laura Dern, his do girls. Think, do you think it's going to be more of that uh, Jack monkey stuff? I sure fucking hope not. Well, 
You never know. Well, see, this is the thing. David Lynch, like, I mean, it's got such, it's got some potential, but uh, mm-hmm. he also does that shit, like that Jack thing in Inland Empire. So, it's gonna mm. be, and, and Netflix usually brings out the worst in people. Very true. So, very, very true. The, the, Jared. the real question will be: Is it loggable on Letterbox? That's the only thing that matters is if it's not loggable on Letterbox, Jared. Are I, you even going to watch I, it? I don't watch it. I don't watch anything unless it's loggable on Letterbox. That's, I've been adding these down the rabbit mm-hmm. holes myself. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, you should uh, only watch stuff that um, you like and is loggable on Letterbox, or else there's no real point, Jared. Is Tom Hanks in the Criterion Collection? I don't know. You would have to tell me, I suppose. Tom Hanks criterion, because I mean that'll determine how much I actually care. That it's going to be based on criterion and not like other stuff. I mean, it's got to be something. See, there's something really obvious. I'll be like, oh, of course he's in that. But what about uh, Gung Ho? <laughs> Is he in Gung Ho, Jarrett? Isn't that uh, Michael Keaton? Maybe. Maybe it's not. What are you going to do? Well, we don't know. Tom Jones is in the Criterion Collection and Peeping Tom, but. The movie Tom Jones? Yeah. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. That works too. Tom Jones is in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. That kind of counts. The real Tom Jones? The real Tom Jones. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. I don't know. Let's talk. Let's talk about our criterion. Okay. After the break, uh huh. We're gonna drink ourselves stupid till we start seeing lizards and giant spiders. Is that this movie? Oh yeah, it is. Thank you. 
This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Le Circle Rouge from 1970, directed by Jean-Pierre Melville. The tagline for this film, RJ, Mm. no place to hide, nowhere to run. Is that true? When French criminal Corey gets released Mm. from prison, he resolves to never return. He is quickly pulled back into the underworld, however, after a chance encounter with an escaped murderer Vogel. Along with former policeman and current alcoholic Jansen, they plot an intricate jewel heist. All the while, quirky police commissioner Matai, who was the man to lose custody of Vogel, is determined to find him. Hmm. That sounds good. So this is a movie I saw before, one one other time. I was kind of... Uh, what was with the reason? My friend Corey, actually, fittingly mm-hmm. enough, he was uh, watching these Melville movies. He was wanting to watch, you know, those Le Samurais and mm-hmm. these Bob Le Flambeaux and such. And mm-hmm. he was picking these criterions up before they uh, started going out of print. And now you can't find the, the Blu-ray of this movie at all without paying a fortune. So that's always fun. That's good. But that's what the Criterion mm-hmm. channels for, right, RJ? Of course. And I, I made a, I did my due diligence and checked like a couple of weeks ago just to make sure that it was on here so that uh, mm-hmm. when the episode came up, I'd be like, not a problem. I'll just pop on my uh, costly subscription to the Criterion channel yep. and I'll give it a whirl. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, for me, like, you know, when I was looking at this stuff, you know, probably a couple months ago, I remember like scanning through the movies that I didn't own on DVD, you know, where, mm-hmm. I, where I have already previously directly supported the Criterion collection. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's like, well, there's a couple of gaps like next week. Lestrada is one of those. And I'm like, Oh, I've got to make sure I've got my bases covered. And you know, but I remember seeing, Oh, the circle Rouge. Oh, I'm glad it's on there. That's great. Cause it's out of print. And then mm-hmm. lo and behold, come the weekend, you go to look it up and it's not there. What do you think happened, Jer? Ah, uh, who knows? I mean, they cycle these things through. They can't keep mm-hmm. them up indefinitely. It's probably, I believe it's like probably Studio Canal has the rights, mm. but you yeah. know, it's not conducive to podcasting. Let me tell you, mm. especially not when it's the only thing you need. So, you know, alternative means, you know, it's a good thing. I know someone who has the Blu-ray, right? Of course. Of course. Of course. Like you do. I, and I do. Yeah. Like you do. And then uh, you were kind enough to lend that to me also. Absolutely. So we can be here. For you, the fans. Of course. Of course. So this movie opens up with this this opening text. Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha, drew a circle with a piece of red chalk and said, When men, even unknowingly, are to meet one day, whatever may befall each, whatever their diverging paths, on mm-hmm. the said day, they will inevitably come together in the red circle or podcast. So hmm. pa- apparently Melville made that up. Oh really? Yeah. It seemed like it was a like a thing. 
Yeah, apparently it's like uh, the epitaph for Le Samurai has the same thing. And it's like, yeah, he just oh. made, he just made it up. <laughs> he just likes to have fun. Makes it sound real classy. Mm. That sounds cool. I, I, I like the sound of it when it was on. It, it sounds pretty cool. I mean, this mm-hmm. this Red Circle movie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which, of course, I mean... Getting this out of the way, so this is my this is my first rewatch. I hadn't seen it for a while, and the first time I watched it, I thought it was good. I didn't. I don't love the story or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I just like. I remember actually, my review was, "Man, this is like the best looking heist movie around." And uh, mm-hmm. watching this movie again, I'm like, "This movie still looks pretty fucking amazing." Uh, so, and I'm not sure. I'm glad that you are agreeing with me on that because I wondered. Is this my color blindness kicking in where this movie mm. that's like I've seen some people throw out there uh, in the hate section we'll get to as drab. And I go, mm. what? And then I'm like, well, is this because like I'm a big sucker for blue and uh, mm-hmm. it uses, uh, you know, obviously red shows up sporadically. And the movie almost kind of feels at times like a this has such a controlled palette, like a black and white movie that's mm-hmm. in full color and not in the Roma kind of way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I mean, for me, this movie primarily is just like a, a feast for the eyes. It just it looks great, and uh, yeah, I, I probably from the Melvilles I've watched, I, I really do like when he's working with color. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, um, so rewatching this movie, it's a it's a heist. It's another heist. I'm not. I'm not keeping track of these heist movies so far, but we've There's had been a few. The, that Madonna Street. We've had uh, Rafifi. That Bob Le Flamble. Mm-hmm. Those come to mind. Yeah, off the top of my head. And now mm-hmm. we have uh, the Circle Rouge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this movie is in no hurry. No hurry to get to the heist. In no, fact, not you, really. you don't even know what the what the whole thing of this movie is. It opens up, and it's like. I actually am kind of embarrassed to say I, I'm kind of pulling an RJ here <gasps> where I, I didn't like, I was kind of like watching and there's the bit where um, Matai is taking Vogel on the train mm-hmm. and like, there's like, they're rushing on the train, they're rushing in their car to get to the train. They run a red light and they get them on the train. And I was like thinking like, Oh, that's Alan Delone. And, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's being escorted and he's going to sleep and it's like a flashback to when he has a mustache. <laughs> and, it, but shortly after I go, Oh, that's that's a different man. That's another mm-hmm. like dark-haired man. Now that I realize that this is all happening at the same time, and I've, mm-hmm. this is for a movie I've seen before, and I, it just didn't make that much of an impact, I guess, as far as like the story structure goes. Because I thought this was like a thing where I was going back and forth in time. But I think that's also like there's a real looseness to the editing. That mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you think that's fair? Did you feel that was like a thing happening? Or am yeah, I... I. No, I think I'm on board with you. Like. Yeah. Uh... A looseness. I, I think that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not. There's no cues that are definitely telling you uh, a direct way of how the story's like the narrative or the timeline of the story playing out. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like oh, there's these scenes and there's these two guys that have nothing to do with one another. That like maybe it's like a flashback because like, there's like that way of that lingering in on a man falling asleep. It to yeah. me is like code for like how did I get to be here? <laughs> that's like mm-hmm. that's what I was thinking for like the first maybe like 
10 minutes of the movie. But it, it straightens itself out. And then you start kind of going, oh, okay. So this Alan Delon, he's our, uh, you know, he's the, the French star. He's in a whole bunch of these uh, Melville movies and a bunch of other stuff with Charles Bronson at one point. Mm-hmm. He, he's a cool-looking cat rocking that RJ mustache. Ooh. Yeah, he's a, he definitely seemed like the uh, French Charles Bronson of sorts. Much prettier, though. He's, he's um, I don't know. Vogue Bronson? He, what's a sexy fish? Um, As opposed to a catfish. Trout? Trout. <laughs> a trout fish? It's a lithe. He's like a dolphin? That's like a mammal, I suppose. Yeah, it is. Yeah. What, what about, or how about, um, how about we call him the stingray? The stingray? I, I, I'm fine with that. I mean, they're I'm kind of they're that. they're weird fucking looking fishes too, but uh, they're a little they're, suspicious. They're pretty cool, sure. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Alan Delon, he's getting out of jail. There's this whole thing with um, the jail guard who's mm-hmm. like feeding him this whole thing. Hey, you're getting out early, and uh, there's like a heist we want you to go on, and he's like, I don't want anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. But it, and that's the heist that he eventually does go on, right or no? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, see, I was a little confused see, by that too. Yeah, they, some of the setups a little, little fuzzy. Right, but this, is, this doesn't even feel like a movie that's really about the setup. So yeah. he gets when he's getting released, he's getting all his uh, possessions back that they take when you go into jail. And there's these photos of this this lady of his of his woman, and you know he doesn't even want to keep them. He like leaves them behind, and the, the guards are like, "Hey, you know, you're taking these with you, dude." And uh, he pays a, a visit immediately upon getting released to, uh, I guess, like the the Mister Big, the boss, mm-hmm. who's now uh, banging his lady. Yeah, that's one way that I think you could describe it. Yeah, he's taking his girl, and uh, well, he, if you you can keep the girl, but I'm going to take a a nice fat stack of cash in this envelope here, and your mm-hmm. gun, because you you know funny stuff, and he's on his way. And uh, he goes and plays a little bit of pool with uh, some red shock on his uh, pool cue. And a couple of goons from the guy he just ripped off show up to uh, retrieve uh, his money and gun. And, uh, like, probably one of the most shocking moments, like, I don't know, in a movie that we've watched in a long time, where he's fighting these two guys uh, pretty effortlessly. And the one guy draws his gun and goes to fire, and uh, Delon hits his gun kind of, and then the the gun goes off and the bullet just hits the other guy in the head and they and they cut away to this close up of like the yeah. bullet just going in and you're like oh shit yeah i was a uh, that caught me off guard quite a bit i was like whoa so that's some real uh jason statham action right there mhm yeah yeah i was a uh, i was pre- pleasantly surprised by that <laughs> um so that's that's like one of the plots the other plot is vogel who's uh being taken away by a Matai, the police officer. Vogel uh, just goes flying out a window out of a moving train. <laughs> just like feet first. <laughs> and just and off and off and running he goes. And uh, so he's, you know, running through the forest. The police and the dogs are in hot pursuit. We get a little mm-hmm. bit of a uh, hot underpants action. Mm-hmm. As he follows those uh, hot bear grills tips about like, oh, yeah. if you have to cross a river, make just take off all your clothes, bundle them up above your head, get across the lake, and dress on the other side because otherwise you'll get hyperthermia. That's just basic survival skills, RJ. That is. I was. Uh, I really liked his moves there too because I was like, "What's he doing here?" And then I saw him throw, and I was like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah." I liked what you're doing here, buddy. I so, like it. 
like star-crossed lovers, Corey and Vogel uh, cross each other's paths. Corey buys a, a new car. He's going. He's trying to. Uh, he's just on his way, but he's got this gun. He can't really be stopped with this gun because now he's a convict. They probably frown upon like possession of handguns in that mm-hmm. country that, of France, unlike others. And uh, there's police checks everywhere because they're looking for this Vogel guy. Corey goes to get himself something to eat. He realizes when he's leaving that there's some guy in his uh, trunk, and that's mm-hmm. Vogel who's uh, gone in there somehow. And uh, yeah, eventually they 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 find themselves out in a field. And they negotiate, realizing, "Hey, we're both dirtbags. Mm-hmm. You got a gun and some money. Like we're we could be pals." Said, "You got a gun. I need a gun. Yeah. And then Why don't s- we put these together and start a podcast?" Hmm. Oh. 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 So now that now they got this idea. Oh yeah. Then some more goons show up, and uh, Vogel kills them, just dead, murders them out in the middle of the woods. That's fun. And, uh, yeah, so now they're, now they're going to plot a heist. Mm-hmm. They, they know a guy uh, who is a former police sniper super cop, I guess, and who is just now hitting that bottle hard, real Balog style. And, uh, what? Huh? And uh, we, we get, like, a, like, this hallucination of him, like, in his room and, like, various, like, giant, like, a, some real fake-ass giant spiders come bounding at him and then a bunch mm-hmm. of lizards get unleashed uh-huh and uh but he's like oh oh he gets the phone call and then he's like all right i, I gotta get straight i gotta pull this heist off do it properly and mm-hmm. uh, no more booze no more booze mm-hmm. so we get to see how a bullet's made a fancy bullet well what kind of bullet Jared? what is it used for for uh disarming a alarm system oh how would they do that though with uh, a, a gun. True. So something, True. something or other. So anyway, uh-huh. so they get the heist. They they make their plan, and then there's like a big chunk of this movie for like thirty minutes that is essentially a dialogue free heist. And heist. They, and these guys look so cool. They look yes, like they do. real fucking classy gentlemen, mm-hmm. wearing like velvet masks with eye holes, wearing their hats, and mm-hmm. uh, they go to work. Yeah, they just do it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I like their masks; they kind of look like um, just like a sheet. Mm-hmm. It's very nice. It's not like fitted to the face, which I think is probably the better way to do it. You know, that's right. You know, Jerry. And then yeah, uh, our our boy shoots a little ball right into a hole in the wall, and uh, the security goes down. Mm-hmm. And, and, he, and they take all those jewels. Yeah, they take them all, and he got it first shot too, Jared. Yep. There wasn't any suspense there on a second or third. It was just, no, this guy nails it. And I believe it's at that, is it before or after he takes that little snoot, that little deep breath of his uh, flask that he's not going to let himself drink, but he's just going to reward himself with a, ah, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the drinks come later. That's right. You know, Jer? You got to, hey, when there's work to be done, you just got to get in there. Just got to work. Yeah. And so, of course, the, the movie kind of goes into this, down this path that I've always wondered about when it comes with the heist movie. It's like, sure, you steal all those jewels, but mm-hmm. what do you do with those jewels after you've got them? They might, they could be worth like, you know, whatever, $28 million. But at the end of the day, they're worthless because mm-hmm. they just compromise you. You got to carry them around everywhere. And now you got to find a fence that is willing to take the heat 
and take these things off your hands and pay you cash money, they're only going to give you a fraction of what they're actually worth retail or mm-hmm. whatever they're appraised at because they they have to hand them off and sell them to people who are willing to buy like stuff that probably is documented in some way and then one day it will be traced back to them in mm-hmm. theory. So we get a scene where uh, they, they go to a fence and the fence is like, can't do it. But then you also find out that our uh, Mr. Big Guy who he ripped huh. off all those uh, weeks ago? He's still there, and he's like, Mm-mm. D- "Don't, don't, don't make it easy for this piece of shit." Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And all while this is going on, too, we also have Matai, the police detective, who he wants Vogel. He's trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Where are these dead bodies? What's what's the happening? He's uh, shaking down a local nightclub owner, who's also uh, was it Santi, and he he wants him to give him. Uh, he wants yeah, him, he wants him to give up that information. So we have all that that whole element, some uh, some strange uh, showgirl routines in this mm-hmm. real ritzy, odd little club, and uh, yeah, eventually it all comes back to that club. Everything starts tightening up. All these all these things that seem kind of like uh, not tying into anything in particular. It's all there now. Mm-hmm. All all those strands. Matai is the contact, and uh, yeah, there's gonna be a handoff, but. Never it doesn't pay, it doesn't pay to commit those crimes. Oh, another heist movie and the very similar ending is Band of Outsiders. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's uh that's where you get a few things like it's kinda what does he say? He's like, Hey asshole, but that's also in Bob La Flambla. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of like hey asshole endings in these kinds of movies, it sound it seems like. Sometimes they literally say it and sometimes it's just implied, you know? That's right. Yeah. What what's your hey asshole moment? <laughs> Hey, asshole. Hey, asshole. It's like Danny DeVito in Goldmember. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, yeah, um, I don't love this movie or anything like that. I, sure. I Again, like watching it again, it's it's a heist. And I don't know if I'm really actually that big a fan of heist movies, but yeah. uh, this is definitely the most beautiful one uh, sure. that I've seen. It looks incredible beautifully mm-hmm. photographed uh there's a lot of like I, f- I find it really easy to watch uh the movie's mm-hmm. two hours and 20 minutes so it's not a it's not a cheap little uh, short little you know film noir by any means but i mean a lot of this movie though uh mm-hmm. is sets up pretty well the entire decade of the 70s in a lot of ways the movie's i think it's set in marseille which of course is also where french connection uh, a lot of the action in that movie happens mm. and this movie feels like the precursor to so much of uh 70s cinema like this like slow slower paced character driven uh crime stories with like rough kind of scummy characters that are just trying to make it through the day very procedural it, remi- it reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of day of the jackal so, yeah, I mean, like, there's this, like, this movie feels like the beginning of, like, everything I love of the 70s, but just, like, the story just doesn't connect with me uh, as strongly as I wish it would, but, like, mm-hmm. on a technical level, filmmaking-wise, I, I think the movie is, like, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But, RJ, what do you think mm-hmm. of this Red Circle? Uh, which one? <laughs> you see what I did there, Jer? That's uh, some of that TD we were talking about earlier in the preamble. YouTube-only people won't know about that red circle. Mm-hmm. Know what I mean, Jer? Uh, I actually, I'm pretty much like right in line with you. I think it uh, it looks good. I think, I don't know if I'd say it's, I can't remember how good like 
Rafifi looked and like stuff like that. So I can't even remember now to compare them, but uh, this one looks really good. Well, that's a also a different director. No, I know. To, just to but be I clear. thought because I, I, I think heist movies. Yes, yeah, yeah, for heist movies. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I know in my mind's eye, there uh, these movies like Rafifi feels like a Jean Pierre Melville movie, but uh, yeah, that's yeah, Jules Dawson. Jules Dawson. Dawson or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But uh, no, yeah, you're right. It, it does look. Um, it looks great. Like uh, I like some of the, just like the big wide shots. Like I, I sent you a couple. Uh, I like the one like over the pool table. That mm-hmm. one's cool. Or just people in fields, like search teams out in fields. Yeah, I think that looks very very slick. Yeah, when, uh, when all the police are walking ahead with the dogs in front of them in that wood. Yeah, yeah it. Yeah. yeah, the movie like looks great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it it all looks very good. Uh, and I actually, uh, believe it or not, I'm really, I'm on board with this, uh, this slow build up to, uh, to the heist, which, yeah. uh, people probably maybe would have thought I wouldn't be, but, uh, I like it quite a bit. And I also like that a lot of the buildup stuff, there's like, there's no music. It's just yeah. quiet. It's just quiet build. Uh, I could, like I said, I could see that driving some people crazy, but, I was on board with it. I was like, ooh. I was like, this is cool. I like this. Uh, and even though it's like a long movie, um, like it definitely takes its time, like you said. I didn't actually, I didn't feel like bogged down by Not it me. or anything yeah. like that. I think like halfway through, I paused it and I went upstairs and made a sandwich. And mm-hmm. then I came back and I, I ate it. Just, but, just, uh, just as Melville intended. Just as watching it on a, like a Game Boy Advance, just like Melville intended. Um <laughs> No, yeah, I, uh, I never felt like the runtime was like a drag or the movie was long or boring or anything like that. So I was like, cool. Uh, I, <laughs> cool. Cool. Uh, well, that's usually something that uh, usually gets me. Uh, I, too, was confused at some of the, the setup at first, like where the characters are like, here's this guy and he's doing this thing and there's this guy and then they're going to cross. And then because I was kind of like, huh. It's like, is that it, or is there more, or what? what isn't there? I don't know. I, I kind of, like you, I, I got to a point where I was like, probably doesn't matter, and I just moved on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I just moved on, Jared. It's, more like, of a, it's always more of an issue when you have to recap these things. Yeah, exactly. When you're watching it, you're like, wow, whatever. I don't uh, I don't need to uh, worry too much about those fine details. Um. So, yeah, what was I going to say? Uh... Yeah, I was surprised by the amount of like killing in this thing, uh, just because it's not it's not usually what we have in these Criterion films. So when people started getting like shot in the head and stuff, I was like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" So that was cool. Uh, the heist itself is neat. I, like I said, I like their masks. I like their uh, their little gun and stuff. And I do like the kind of the blowout aftermath where the fencing guy is just like, "Nah," he's like, "Do I?" He's like, I, I don't want to worry about it right now. And then you see the uh, the ticking bomb on screen that the characters can't see, Jared. Isn't that what Hitchcock always said? Where you see the, uh, like, him meeting with the detective guy, but he doesn't know. And you're like, whoa. And then, uh, yeah, it has a real hey asshole kind of ending. And you're like, nice. It's, it's, it's the red nice. circle. It is a red circle, Jared. It is literally a red circle. Literally literally uh so yeah i uh i liked it quite a bit too like kind of like you i don't think it's um 
doesn't blow any dicks off or nothing like that. But uh, I do think it's good. It's a good show. Pretty good uh, show. Jer. <laughs> Pretty good show. I don't even know. Uh, I'm kind of at a loss of what else to say. I like um, I like Underwear Man. He's cool. <laughs> I like uh, French Charles Bronson, the Stingray. He's cool. Uh, the drunk scene is pretty wild. Um, just seeing spiders and lizards and stuff. Yeah, it's that guy it, must have been really drunk, Jared. Yeah, I, I've never hallucinated on no, good old alcohol. Does, yeah, I mean that's usually. I mean, I guess like when you maybe that's the DTs though. Maybe oh, where he's hallucinating yeah. that part. It's possible. It's possible, my man. Well, so yeah, like I would say too, like the guy who plays Vogel, uh, Gian Maria Volante, uh, he's uh, in a lot of spaghetti westerns and other Italian movies. He's like in the A Fistful of Dollars, mm. uh, for a few dollars more, uh, in a future creep that I think is an all-time banger, Investigation of a Citizen Above Suspicion. He's the main okay. character in that, and A Bullet for the General, Face to Face, whole lot of stuff oh there's in this movie too i haven't watched yet the uh, world war one movie many wars ago from 1970 anyway What's that one about? uh it's italian world war one which is like probably one of the least covered things in film i can think of oh okay and a movie called operation ogre operation dumbo drop not quite oh okay uh huh well that sounds cool i like all that stuff but good yeah no it's uh i liked it it was a good show like i said I, it didn't uh it didn't feel like a two and a half hour movie so that's good always a plus oh look at that alan delone he will he will we'll see him again but it'll be in the form of antioni <gasps> antioni not my glioni antioni oh he's also in purple noon which is another uh creep one day. Oh, he's in the leopard. Oh, we've got lots of uh, Stingray to go. Mm. Mm, that's cool. I liked him. He was good. He was good, Jared. There was a. There's something he, weird he did though, like um. This body. <laughs> Whoa. I don't remember now. Hey, you know this movie's got the same cinematographer as the Four Hundred Blows. Does it? No. I don't like it anymore. Henri Dakai. Jokes. Dekay? What else can you tell me about this movie, Jared? Uh, I can tell you about who hates this movie. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> you ready for this? I guess. Whatever. All right. So first up, we have one and a half star from Lance, okay. who writes, "All men are guilty." What do you think he means by that, Jared? Well, it's a. I guess it's like a reference to the movie, suggesting that Lance has actually watched the movie. Because there's like the, the whole running theme is there's the one guy from Internal Affairs who's kind of nosing around as Matai's doing things, and he makes mm. these comments about like, oh, they're all guilty. He's like, well, you know, not that he's not that bad. He's like, nah, they're all they're all bad. Mm. I think Lance is all bad. Some uh, five star films include The Human Centipede Two, Terrifier, one of your favorite films, Jared, <laughs> and then like I don't know, just uh, oh, Savo, five stars. Lots of like kids shorts like Peppa Pig and the spoon fork thing from Toy Story. Oh. But they have like over a th- the majority of their ratings are uh half stars. Like high, high majority. Okay. So they just rate everything a half a star. Like um Blow with Johnny Depp. Half a star. Hmm. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Not me. 
Not me. We've got Griffin Lake Laking. Laking? Laking. One okay. and a one and a half star. Um <laughs> This might be one of the worst-looking films I've ever seen. No. Colors are drab. The overexposed lighting in every indoor shot is blinding. Every Mm. outdoor shot looks like it was shot on home video. There's no consistency in picture quality, even between shots in the same scene. There are obvious mistakes that were awkwardly cut out instead of being reshot. On top of all of this, the story is just really bland. Fortunately, in the second half, some of these issues are slightly improved upon, and there's a couple decent sets, but when the film looks like hot garbage, there's only so much that's going to help. Hmm. I don't really agree with him. I don't think the movie looks like garbage at all. Really? <laughs> uh, Five-star films include Passion of the Joan of, uh, of Joan of Arc, and then lots of, like, I don't know what any of this stuff is. Hannah Gatami. Uh, Tekken Kinkrete. Tekken Kinkrete, Kinkrete, yep. Yeah. Noriko's Dinner Table. Those so, are the five-star films. A lot of uh, Japanese stuff in there. Only three half-star films, which include I Am Keiko from 1997, 1917 from last year, and uh, The Passion of the Christ from uh, Mel Gibson. Huh. So uh, strange, to say the least. No bio or anything for Griffin, huh? Uh, their bio says SUP. Cool. They just gave uh, the lighthouse three stars, though, so that's bad. You know. Lucas Pretty, one and okay. a half star. Louis K- Louis C K said every uh. time he watches Tomorrow Night, his directorial debut, he wished he had cut off the shots of actors dialing their phones. Go on already. Kieslowski wanted a brand of sugar cube that would soak in precisely five seconds for that scene in blue. I know the audience can take five seconds, but not seven or ten. Melville's vision is mm-hmm. his vision, and that's that. But no one can deny it feels like pointless boredom sometimes. Maybe I should watch it again when I'm more mature. No. You know what? Fuck Jean-Pierre Melville. I find it funny that the person says it's like Melville's vision is his own. No one can fight that. It's like, no shit. It's like... <laughs> He made the movie. Dude's dead. <laughs> He's dead. Like, of course, no one can fight that. Uh, all these five star movies are things you'd expect, like Citizen Kane, All About Eve, There Will Be Blood, Jarrett, um, Buster Scruggs, apparently, Three Billboards out of Ebbing, Missouri, apparently. Only one half star film for Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, which uh, I think you and me both agree is a, a good show. A uh, very good show, for that matter. Very good show. Very good show. I've got, here's a lengthy one. David yeah. Punch. Okay. Two, two stars. Between this and Le Samurai, I think it's safe to say that Melville prefers extremely laconic characters over any with depth motivation or just any emotional expression at all it doesn't matter if you can't remember all the characters here because they're effectively all the same there's nothing special about le circle rouge that hasn't been done before these characters are generic imitations of the kind of hard-boiled criminals the french loved watching in american film noirs without any nuance or traits to allow you to be invested in what happens to them it's as if the one thing you took away from these classic films is that all the characters are hardened and emotionless but didn't manage to see what made them so thick-skinned and why they 
they safeguard their emotions. The pacing of this film is brutal, two hours and 20 minutes long, with the actual heist plot of the film taking more than an hour to actually begin. Every scene takes far too long to communicate its point, and without moments of character development, any time spent on non not focused on moving the plot forward is just wasted. Then there's the actual plot of the film, a jewelry heist. It's been done, been done to Jeez. death. And Le Circle Rouge again offers nothing new to entice the viewer. The heist itself is done mostly in complete silence, which plays out like a less than admirable attempt at homaging the brilliant sequence from Rafifi. I don't think the film actually understands what makes a good heist sequence because little to nothing is established before the heist takes place. All the intricacies of casing the building, studying maps, testing equipment, and identifying the obstacles are all missing from this film. All those things I don't need in my movies. Mm -hmm. The heist is almost entirely unenjoyable to watch because you don't understand what the plan is or what could possibly go wrong. And in the end, nothing really does go wrong, so why even show the heist? Le Circle Rouge feels like someone's vague idea of a heist film bloated by an aggravatingly long runtime with nothing of interest to keep you hooked. Well, that's exactly why you make movies. Mm. You you, you just make things Mm -hmm. that no one's interested in. That's, That's how all my movies are how we make our podcast exactly oh are you done yeah okay i uh i was gonna say some of the stuff that david punch was talking about i find in direct conflict with some of their favorite movies a lot of their five stars are just uh like criterion movies and i think we've maybe come across this person before but other five star films include things like die hard die hard uh all that jazz which is quickly becoming a controversial pick on this uh thing jared mm-hmm. very controversial uh rafifi uh even though they said that heist movies are played out no but he loves uh, but he loves the brilliant sequence from rafifi uh i see uh night of the hunter um chicago the musical Oof. jared uh chicago let's see some half star films here if we can find out what movie they were on Half stars to Thelma and Louise, uh, The Hurricane, Seven Psychopaths. See, this all sounds familiar. Man, what did they? Get? What did they? Dress to Kill, one star. Brick, one star. Punch Drunk Love, one star. Quick and the Dead, whoa, one star. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wake the Dog, one star. Oh, look at oh, wow. See, we we we've we've had this guy like recently, but what I for? I have no idea. Oh, they gave the Blob one and a half stars. Could have been that. Like the remake. No, the original, the blob. Oh, I don't care about that so much. But punch could have been that love. though. Yeah, I know. Come on, come on. They gave Fitzcarraldo one and a half stars, Bone Tomahawk one and a half stars, Jesus Christ Superstar one and a half stars, Death Becomes Her, Any Given Sunday, the Creeps approved favorite film by both of us, not just Jarrett. <laughs> uh, wait, come what? on, come on, come on. Yeah, this is like a Criterion guy, so. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like we've crossed them before, but who knows? And we've crossed them again. And we might. Maybe David Punch needs a taste of his own medicine. Ooh. And uh, this is character I play for a podcast, and in no way did I threaten physically or mentally any of the people I talked about. Sounds like you did. No, uh, that statement uh, cleans me of all things. Jarrett, I am now clean of all things. Jared. Hmm. Yep. <sighs> yep. How about those dance numbers in the movie? Oh, those things were awesome, actually. Yeah, like, it kind of came out of nowhere, and it was like, uh, mm, 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 well, mm, it's like the one mm. is like weird because there's like the the one group of women kind of look like 
the girl. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, which is like, is is that a, is there a reason to that? Is it, is it just uh, the a look of the time that it's trying Maybe. to emulate? Because it's a, it's a stylized. It's not like I don't know if it's particularly nineteen seventies, but there's like kind of like a pastiche, a little bit of a fifties and sixties sort of cinema references in the movie. Maybe. A pastiche, you say? Yeah, yeah. You 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 like those pastiches? Uh, I think good with I, crackers. I'm one of the only pastiche guys out there. I'm a real pastiche guy, Jared. No. Oh. If you know what I mean. Do you look up this Alan Delone guy on his letterbox? Alan Delone? Yeah. No, where is he at? He's the lead of the movie. Oh, let me go with Cirque Rouge, Alan Delone. <laughs> uh, yeah, I see him. Look at that. Look at him. Look at that gaze. Oh, Spirits of the Dead, eh? Yep. Oh, what else is he in here? Uh, I think he's in the uh, Truffaut one. But I could be wrong. It could be. Could I be. won't be able to tell you if you are or not. Yeah. I'll never know. I'll never, ever know. Cool. Uh, any, what, what, any final thoughts? Nah, man. It's uh, I don't think I said very much tonight, but it's good. It's a good show. Good little show there. Well, bro. After the break, um, we try to fence the jewels, but the cops are on to us, mm. and now we're dead. Huh. Huh? In, our, in our perfect red podcast. Are we red? Are we in the red state? Directed by Kevin Smith. Oh, yeah. The movie's horrible. <laughs> Or is it? Smith finances uh, movie Red State 2. Uh, it's the perfect fence. Yeah, I mean, once he takes them off our hands, I mean, it's not yeah. our problem anymore. Nope. He uses them to make the movies that he wants to do and uh, appease the fans of his. I know there are many. So, uh... But will John Goodman return to reprise his role? Doubtful. Doubtful. I doubt it. I think it's doubtful. You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and, uh, yeah. I don't know, tell us what you think John Goodman's next career move should be. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnlow. We're on YouTube. We've got a Patreon. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play. Mm-hmm. And next week, Spine 219, RJ, uh-huh. Fellini, 
is back. Uh... Lestrade, starring his wife from 1954. She's a clown. Can you, no thanks. Can you dig that? Can you dig that, sucker? No thank you, Jared. No thank you. 